0: Amen. 40 days of prayer. So glad to see all of you. Want to welcome you. Want to give a special welcome to those of you who are listening online. Thank you for inviting us into your house. Our host on the line will be posting a link where you can get the notes that we'll be talking about here in our worship center. And I want to invite all of you to join us in one of our greatest heart desires, the desire to learn to pray. God, teach us to learn to pray all of us instinctively know there are some things that only God can do. We simply aren't smart enough. We don't have all the answers. We face decisions. Don't you face decisions at home? You don't know what to do. Thank God, what do I do? You've got decisions at work. Lord, I just don't know what to do. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, just last Sunday, I needed God's help to decide what to do. I was home. My wife was at our daughter's house taking care of our grandchild while they were out of town. So I was alone. And I said, Lord, uh, I don't know which service to go to. I could go 10. And I remembered the Cowboys are praying. Oh, playing at noon. I could go at 10. I could be back home, watch the Cowboys play. Nothing wrong with that. Or I could come at 1130 or I could come at one. And the more I thought about it, then I realized, wait a minute, most of my family comes to the 1130 service. And I have a huge family. And I thought, I would, I would really like to see them. And so, oh, decision made. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 1130, which I did. And I got to see nine of my huge family. But then it wasn't over. Afterwards, there was a young lady whom I hadn't seen in a while. And her mother and her father recently died. There was a chance just to see her and connect with her. It was a sacred moment. And then as I was leaving, another Another lady stopped and said, Hey, my, my mom just went into the hospital today. She's about to die. A chance to connect with her, to pray. It wasn't over. Before I left, uh, a man said, You know, I've got a problem at work. I've got a decision. Can we talk for a moment? And it was a great, but it wasn't over yet. After it was over, I still got to go have lunch with my youngest son and his wife. That was a great, great time. Now, when I prayed, God, which service do I go to? 10, 1130, or 1? God didn't say, go to 1130. But no, that didn't happen. Did he answer audibly? No. But did he answer my prayer? Absolutely. I want you to look, please, at this verse, Psalm 37, verse 4. The Bible says, take delight in the Lord. And when you ask, when you ask your heavenly Father, tell me what to do, you are taking delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. In the original language, that means God is going to cause your desires to be conformed to his desires. Do I wanna go at 10 and watch the Cowboys or do I wanna go and sit with my family? My heart said I wanna go and sit with my family. God was guiding, God was answering that prayer. And today, I wanna call this message a beginner's guide to prayer because all of us feel like beginners. I mean, we are coming to the eternal God and it, it feels awkward, it feels maybe a little unnatural, we all need to learn to pray. You realize Jesus' disciples were with him every day, every single day for three years, and they watched him. They watched him do miracles, that he literally opened the eyes of the blind, the ears of those who were deaf, he strengthened the legs of those who were lame, he even raised people from the dead. Yet, you never see them asking, hey, Lord, could you show us how to do a miracle? I mean, that was really cool. Can you show us how to do that? There's no record they ever asked that. Or they, they heard him speak. The most attention-grabbing messages ever delivered to as many as twenty and 30,000 people for an entire day hung on his every word. Yet, his disciples never asked, hey, Lord, could you show us how to speak like that? Man, that, that's, that's amazing. What did they ask? Lord, teach us to pray. They realized the secret to his powerful life was in his powerful praying. Lord teach us how to pray. And here's the good news. if you will pray today, God will guide you. You can start right now. you don't have to wait till the end of the service or you get home or you're going to bed. that's a terrible time. Just do it all the time. Start asking the Lord right now. Lord, what do you want me to do? Just five words. What do you want me to do? Some of you have big decisions you're facing and you don't know what to do. I can tell you as, as one who has received God's kindness, if you will ask him, right? If you will ask him, he will tell you what to do. So start right now silently. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it silently. Start right where you're seated. Lord, if you're at home, Lord, tell me what to do. To say, God, I really want to know. I I discovered this week over 20 times in the New Testament, we're told to ask. Over 20 times. Why would God tell us that 20 times over? Because he wants to show us how good he is, how gracious, how merciful, how kind. He's calling us to ask. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you want to know what God wants you to do, what should you do? Next two words ask him, underline that, ask him, just ask him, and he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all, here it appears again, to all who ask him, he will not resent it, but we also have this warning, you do not have because you do not ask, so I'm calling on you today to feel the freedom right there where you're seated, whether this is your first time, you say, pastor, I've never been here before, Good. You can do this too. Maybe this is your hundredth time. Good for you. All of you have the same privilege of saying, Father, tell me what to do. God, tell me what you want me to do. I want you to have this moment right now. Take it. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? I need to know. Father, tell me what you want me to do. Amen? Amen. That's what we're looking at in Amen. 40 days of prayer. Now, in this beginner's guide to prayer message, I want to, first of all, start by cleaning off the table. I don't know about your house, but at my house, I think we have the junk fairy who comes in at night and puts junk all over our table. Happens every day. Maybe it doesn't happen at your house, but it doesn't mind. And and you just got to clean off the table before you can sit down and eat. Well, we need to clean off some of the myths. I want to give you five popular myths about prayer just as a means of cleaning off the table of our mind so God can service the truth. But first of all, let's get rid of a few things that simply are not true. I'd like for you to write them down. Myth number one, very popular myth, that prayer is a magic phrase. Prayer is just a magic phrase. You've got to learn the right words. And if you use the right words, God will hear you. Like, oh, oh, God, God, hocus pocus, I get the promotion. Uh, no, that's, that's not true. Or, or maybe you have a terrible husband or a terrible wife. Abracadabra, I get a new husband. Uh, No, that's simply not true, that's a myth. Or perhaps you've seen these words on Facebook, other social media, they've even printed in the newspaper. You've seen words like this. This prayer must be said for nine days and it must be shared with at least three other people. It has never been known to fail. You need to stay a long way away from that kind of praying. That isn't prayer, that's magic. And God doesn't want you to have anything to do with that. Prayer is not a magical phrase that you repeat nine times over to get a miracle. In fact, did you realize Jesus, the Son of God, said don't do that? He said specifically, don't do that. I want you to notice what Jesus said. When you are praying, do not use, look at the next word, do not use what? You notice, I've underlined it for you. I've added the emphasis. Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. They suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Maybe you've heard this famous prayer. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty, through Christ our Lord, amen. You say, well, that prayer sounds familiar. You know why it sounds familiar? Because you hear it every Friday night on Blue Bloods. When you turn the channel and you're watching Blue Bloods, they sit around the table and they repeat this exact same prayer. Is there anything wrong with this prayer? Yes. There's one thing wrong with this prayer. It's not your prayer. The prayer God most wants to hear from you is your prayer. Your words. Where you are talking to your heavenly Father. One on one. God doesn't want to hear someone else's words. He wants to hear yours in God's ears, the best prayer is definitely your prayer. Jesus told us not to mindlessly repeat memorized phrases. By the way, we all do this. We all do. I do. You do. I'll catch myself doing it. And it's weird. Are we just repeating phrases mindlessly? For instance, there are times, let me just say this respectfully, there are times we say Jesus over and over. Like, we're driving down, and they say, oh, Jesus, I'm about to run out of gas. Jesus, please don't let me run out of gas. Jesus, I'm driving on fumes. Jesus, keep me from running out of gas. Jesus. Why do we do that? For instance, if I were to do that to my wife, I'd say, Connie, thank you so much for this chicken fried steak. And Connie, thank you so much for the mashed potatoes and gravy. And, And Connie, thank you for these green beans. She'd say, stop that. Stop that. Stop that. I'm right here. Talk to me. I think there are times God wants to lean over and say, stop that. Stop that. Talk to me. Don't use those memorized phrases. And we all do. There are times we mindlessly repeat Father, our Father God over and over and over. And there are times God says, stop that, stop that. Just talk to me. I want you to look at a beautiful phrase found in God's Word, the Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. You received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Abba comes from the Aramaic language, it means daddy, or poppy, or or pop, or dad. It is a close term of endearment. Prayer is not using magical words. Prayer is using your words. Myth, don't use magical words. What is the truth? Use your words. Let's talk about myth number two. Myth number two says prayer is a fire extinguisher, and you just use it in case of emergencies. Break glass in case of emergency, and use this fire extinguisher. We hear this commonly here because we live on the coast. And we think, oh, there's a hurricane coming. Oh, we better pray. Oh, are things that bad? Like, <laughs> break now and they're glass because we need to pray. Or someone says, you probably heard this. Well, all we can do now is pray. You think, is it that bad? Are things really that bad? There must be a, a severe emergency. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher reserved for emergencies. Prayer is to be used every single day. It it ought to be our way of life. It should be our first choice, not our last choice. Notice how the Bible encourages us. Don't worry about anything. Say, how do I do that? Instead, pray about everything. Don't, Don't leave your prayers just reserved for the emergency. Pray about every single thing. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. I had to do this this last Saturday, just a week ago yesterday. Our our television just went out, and probably after the big storm we had on Friday. It was only two years old, and but it wouldn't come on. So I did, I'm pretty handy. I, I did everything you're supposed to do. And then I called in to technical support, and they said, have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? Yes. They went through like 10 different things. And finally, they said, oh, you probably need to probably need to replace your television i thought it's only two years old yeah i asked well would it be cost effective to repair it they said probably not okay god what do you want me to do it was not any big prayer god what do you want me to do i talked to my wife and she said well i think we should probably just replace it we need it for our small group to show the small group videos that are coming up i said okay so i i went online i i check the reviews, good reviews, check the price, great price, no problem, went bought it, put it in. This is what I discovered a couple of days later when I went into the church office. I told them what happened, and they said, "Uh, by the way, do you know that television you bought is the only television that will immediately show our small group videos? I said, no, I didn't know that. I'm not that smart. I mean, hey, God is. Did God guide me? Yes. Was it a big prayer? No. Did you realize often your best prayers are your short ones. God, I need to know what to do. God, I need to know what to do. God, tell me what to do. Did he guide me? Yes, he did. Myth number three, prayer is a tug of war between you and God, where you've just got to pull and pull and pull. and You've got to keep praying till you wear God down, and finally you wear him down, and he gives in and gives you what you want. And you've got to pray, oh, God, please, oh, God, please, oh, God, pretty please. And you've got to say it 95 times, God, please, 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 please. And you keep pestering and badgering God until he finally gives in. And you start begging. And then you start bargaining. God, God, if you will do this, I'll clean every toilet in the church, every toilet. By the way, before you say that, there are 13 toilets in this church, so better think twice. Or or maybe you're a little more serious and you say, God, if if you will do this, I'll stop swearing. Or God, if you'll do this, I'll quit drinking. And women, God does not want you to bargain with him. He is not in a tug of war. I, I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther was a great church reformer several years ago. He said this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold... Of his highest willingness. Men and women, God loves to listen to your prayers. The songwriter says, I love the Lord. Why? Because he listens to my prayers. Why does he listen? Because it makes him happy. I I have, Connie and I are so blessed. We have five children, four are married, 12 grandchildren. I love to hear from my children. So do you. And you and I are just evil, But God is perfectly love and holy. He wants to hear whose voice? Yours. He wants to hear from you. When you begin to talk, God leans over to listen. I love the Lord because he listens. It is not a tug of war. Isaiah chapter 30 said, the Lord waits for you to come to him. Why? So he can show you his love and his compassion. Well, we looked at three myths. Here's a fourth myth. At prayer... Is punishment for your sins that you should pray these prayers because it is the punishment for your prayer for your sins now I know that this is traditional but it is not biblical many of you had the experience of when you really sinned somebody told you "Oh, you need to go pray the our father prayer 20 times because of what you did well that leaves a really bad taste in your mouth Men and women prayer was never meant to be punishment prayer is a privilege prayer is not a duty Prayer is a delight. It may be traditional, but it is not biblical. Remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. When you pray, do not use, I said this twice on purpose, do not use what? Yes. Meaningless repetition. The prayer God most wants to hear is your prayer. There's a fifth myth. That fifth myth is that prayer is a performance. You're going to give a speech when you pray. Now, I know for the vast majority of you, if I were to call on you and say, hey, why don't you come up here and just lead us all in prayer right now? You'd say, oh, good night. Come, why did I come today? This, uh, he just asked me to come up there. I mean, you'd be scared to death. You'd never come again. Well, I'm not going to do that, so just, just relax. Or you hear someone's prayer and you think, wow, that that was a great prayer. That, that was an awesome prayer. Man, they prayed for two minutes. I can't pray for 30 seconds. Man, I want to pray like that. no pray your prayer. The prayer God most wants to hear from you is your prayer. Prayer is not a performance. God wants to hear from you. Never think you need to pray like somebody else. There's a warning that Jesus gave to all of us, and maybe all of you, whenever you are asked to pray. Jesus said, be careful. Don't do this. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they like to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Just do a big speech. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. Jesus said, don't do that. Have you ever heard someone pray like this? I have. You ever heard? And whenever they begin to pray, they change the tone of their voice. Oh, sovereign God, who art enthroned in the heavenlies. We thank thee that thou art omnipotent and omniscient. May thy blessings flow from heaven into the lives of these poor creatures. What? Who talks like that? Nobody. Why are you speaking in 300-year-old English? Do you think God's an Englishman? God is not an Englishman. And by the way, I, I, I hate to burst your little bubble, but Did you realize that in the original manuscripts, there are no these and thou's at all? They don't appear. It just appears in one translation that's over 400 years old. And at the time, that was the common language of the day. Why do we talk like that? Because we're trying to impress other people. God wants our prayers to be genuine. He wants them to be short. He wants them to be sincere. He wants them to be honest. Let us come near to God, the Bible says. Come near with what kind of heart? A sincere heart and a sure faith. Let me tell you three different prayers that are genuine prayers that you may not think are prayers. Such as when you don't feel good, you might pray, God, I don't feel like talking to you right now. That's a prayer. Or you might pray this, God, I'm mad at you. You say, oh, man, I wouldn't say that. I'd be afraid God would kill me on the spot. Boom, and I'm gone. Do you honestly think God does not already know you're mad? God wants you to be sincere and honest. You know, in the middle of your Bible, there is the book of Psalms. There are 150 chapters. Did you know one-third of those, 50 out of 150, are complaining Psalms? Where people are just pouring out their complaints to God? God. I I prayed this prayer. I'll just share it with you. I prayed this prayer a couple of weeks ago, something just like this. God, I don't get it. I prayed for this, and it didn't happen. Have you ever prayed something like that? You prayed for a day, a week, a month, a year, two years, three, five, ten. God, I keep on praying. I'm sick of this, and nothing happens. What's the big problem here? Later on in our series, we're going to learn God's delays, are not God's denials. There are times He's just simply saying, Keep at it, keep asking me. Time's not right yet, just keep on asking me. Is that an honest prayer? Yes. God wants you to be honest. So let's clear the mist off the table. Table is clean. So let me just give you two quick thoughts about what prayer really is. You might not know that powerful praying depends on two relationships. Because prayer is not a ritual, prayer is a relationship it is not a duty is it it's a delight it's not a punishment it's a privilege but it depends on two relationships and i want you to learn right now that prayer does not depend upon your position in the church for instance, you might think, oh, man, I, this, is really, this is really big. I better ask my small group leader because I know he's closer to God than I am, and he's a little bit closer. Or, oh, this is really big. I better get Pastor Bo in on this one. This was huge. Well, I need to get both of them, Pastor Bo and Pastor Kenny, because they're up there. No, we're not. You need to get rid of that thinking. Prayer does not depend on your position in the church. Prayer depends on the condition of your heart. Not your position in the church, but the condition of your heart. How is your heart? Powerful praying depends on your relationship, first of all, with your heavenly father. Is he, in fact, your heavenly father? Did you know that God is not everyone's father? The Bible clearly says everyone on earth is not a child of God. This is what the scripture says about asking him to be your father in John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who believed, all who believed him, notice the next phrase, and accepted him. You know, if you've never asked God's son, Jesus, to be inside your heart, he's outside your heart. If you've never asked to come inside to God's family, you are outside God's family. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, why don't you do that right now? Right there where you're seated, Lord Jesus I know I've sinned. God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Make that simple little prayer. We have seen hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of people right there where you're seated. They just make this simple prayer. They step over the line of faith. Jesus, if I've never really accepted you, I am right now. Is everyone a child of God? Sadly, the answer is no. Listen to what Jesus, the son of God, said to some religious leaders. Pretty shocking. He said, you are are the children of your father, the devil. Whoa! And you love to do the evil things he does. Is God your heavenly father? If you invite Jesus Christ into your life, then you are born into his family. We celebrated that with the baptism a little bit earlier, saying, God, yes, today I'm inviting Jesus into my life. Think how much the father loves us. He loves us so much that he lets us be called his children as we truly are If you've never invited him into your heart, do it right now. Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. So first of all is, is God your heavenly father? And secondly, if he is, are you refusing to turn from something you know is wrong? Why is that such a big deal? Because if God has been telling you, we're going to pause for a moment. As I get to this point, some people become really, really introspective. You don't need to become really, really introspective. If you are refusing to turn from something that's wrong, you know it. God has already been telling you. He's been pointing it out to you, saying, son or daughter, this is hurting you. You need to turn from it. You need to let go of it. It's so important. The Bible says, if I had not confessed or admitted this sin in my life, the Lord would not have listened. Is there anything in my life God is telling me you need to turn from that is wrong? On the other side of that coin, is there something that's good that God is telling you to do, and you're refusing to do it? You say, no, I don't want to. Maybe God's been telling you, you need to get in a small group, or you ought to be leading a small group, or you should be returning the tithe, or giving generously to those in need. Is there something God has really been telling you clearly? I want you to do this, consistent with his word, and you've been refusing to do it. All right, let's say, okay, you're, you're all good there. Let's talk about number four in this relationship with your heavenly father. Do you believe God can do what you're asking him? Why is that so important? Because if you do not believe God is, do, God is able to do what you're asking, you are wasting your breath. You're wasting your time. I think there are times that God just leans out of heaven and says, hey, don't bother. You don't, you don't believe I can do this. Why is it so important? Two blind men are asking Jesus to be healed. They're calling out to him, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Notice what Jesus asked them. Do you believe I can? Do you believe I can make you see? He said, yes, Lord. Yes, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Men and women, when you're asking something from God, you've got to believe God can do it. He can move the unmovable. He can break the unbreakable. Do you also believe that what you're asking is truly God's will? First, as you might be praying, Oh, God, today I pray you know I'm out of money. God, help me as I go down and rob the local Stripe store. I pray there are no police officers there. God, please help me get away and not get caught. Do you think God is going to answer that prayer? No, no, that is not his will. That's not part of his top 10. Thou shalt not steal. You all know that part. No. Is this consistent with God's will? Is this something God is willing and wanting to do? A man with leprosy approached Jesus. He knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Notice Jesus answered, I am willing be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, let's quickly say, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but 99 things that you're praying about out of 100 are not clearly spelled out in the Bible. They're just not. For instance, maybe you're praying, Lord, uh, do I get the Ford or the Chevrolet? Ford, I'm going to look in the Bible, Ford or Chevrolet. You can look all day, and it's not in there. So how do I know if this is God's will or not? Let me tell you what what I believe is consistent with his will. I ask the people in my small group, hey, this is what I'm praying about. What do you think? Do you think this is good or bad? Do you think this is God's will? I expect God to speak to me through the people in my small group, which is one of the great values of being in a group. You say, yeah, I I think this is God's will or, or no, I don't. By the way, you think, oh, man, I'm sunk. I'm not in a small group. It's not too late you can go back to the hub when we're done and say, hey, I want to I get in a small group. We'll be happy to help you. Or you can just get two or three friends and say, uh, let's get together. We can, we can do this on our own. By the way, if you get in a group, you get this beautiful prayer guide. And tomorrow will be day one. If You'll turn to page 23. You're going to find day one. And here's a great scripture verse for you to look over, record your thoughts. You get this if you're in a small group. We would love for you to have it. You've also got a great little prayer tent that you've got inside your program to help you in this 40 days of prayer. If you'll fold this right in the middle, just trust me, it will. Then you can put it on your table, and it'll remind you. All right, yeah, we're in our 40 days of prayer. I'm going to focus my prayers. We're all going to pray together. Amen, amen, 40 days of prayer. This is what the Bible says. We are certain that God will hear our prayers when we ask for what pleases Him. Is this consistent with His will? Not only must you have a right relationship with your Heavenly Father, this might surprise you, you must also have a right relationship with the people who are around you. I have discovered that the strength of my prayers depends on the strength of my relationships. I'm going to show you a verse of Scripture that is often made to say something it does not say. Jesus said, if two of you agree here on earth, you're agreeing what? About my need, discovering what is true. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, then my Father in heaven will do it for you. Now, many have taken this completely out of context and said, listen, would you pray with me that I'll get a new Cadillac tomorrow? Would you? Would, would you? Would you? No, no. Would you? How about? well, anybody here... And we make this like a Christian rabbit's foot. That's not what it's saying at all. What it's really saying is that I need to have the, the humility to admit to somebody, hey, I need God's help. I need, That's humbling. By the way, have you ever discovered if you're humble, you won't stumble? What is this saying? I need to admit to the people in my group, I need God's help. I need for them to help me discern and determine, is this God's will for my life. I've also found the strength of my prayers depends on the way I treat others. Let's talk about that very practically. Is there anyone in your life right now you've not forgiven? Someone who's wounded you, someone who's hurt you deeply, and I know some of you have been, I, I, I know some of your wounds are deep. I realize that. I, I don't diminish that at all, but there's something about saying, Father, I need your help to forgive him. I might as well go ahead and tell you, I've had the joy of being your pastor for about 25 years. I'm going to tell you our number one sin. Number one sin in our church. The number one sin isn't drug dealing, it isn't pornography, it isn't alcoholism. The number one sin in our church is failing to forgive. The reason it's the number one sin is we excuse it. It's okay. It's it's okay. And even sadly, sometimes in our small group, we go and say, listen, let me tell you what happened at work. My, My boss did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. And at times, our brothers and sisters will say something like, oh, you, oh, he is such a loser. You should quit that job. What we should be saying is, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Have you forgiven him? That's the healing step. Have you forgiven him? Maybe your husband has been an absolute jerk. And you go in, you're in your lady small group and you say, oh, he's such a terrible husband. You should get rid of him. We should be saying, oh, I'm sorry. He, he's responding like that. And we need to pray for him. And by the way, have you forgiven him? In our guys group, oh, my wife, she's terrible. She's like a witch. We should be saying, oh, I'm sorry that's happened. Have you forgiven her? Have you forgiven her? You say, is that a one-time deal? No, it's every time. Why is that so important? Because Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Like, whoa, that's potent. I can't tell you how many times I've been getting ready to, to walk up here and God's reminded me, uh, not yet. Not yet. You need to go tell Connie you're sorry for what you said this morning. Is God that specific? Very specific. You need to go and tell your son you're sorry for what you did. Okay, all right. How in the world can you expect God to bless you if you are refusing to offer and receive forgiveness? It's the number one sin in our life. Are we also treating those around us compassionately? A quick question, how many of you guys here, listen up guys, how many of you guys here are married? Because you of your hands? Better get your hands up really fast or it'll be a long, long day. Okay, that's a lot better, a lot better, a lot better. And back down. Here's a word for you husbands, and it also applies to you wives, but it's written uniquely to husbands. You husbands must give honor. Underline the word honor. The word honor means value. The word honor means Is sometimes translated money, used to speak of money. You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together with her. She may be weaker, she may be 30%, she has less brute strength than you do, but she is your equal partner. Treat her as you should so your prayers may not be hindered. You may be saying, You know what? I've been saving money all year long. It's finally hunting season. I'm going to go and get that $1,200 Benelli shotgun. I am going to get it. Yes! And you're locked on. Nothing wrong with going hunting, nothing wrong with the shotgun. But, are you giving her1,200 dollars to spend on something for her? I know you're thinking, "Why did I come to church today? I just can't believe. I can't believe that. Why did I say that? What does it mean to give her equal honor? It can mean giving our equal money. You say, well, that's my money. If you're married, it's you all, money. Are we compassionate? Are we generous to those we live with? How can we expect God to bless in our hearts if we're not compassionate and generous in our homes? We're in this series called Amen. Forty days of prayer. And I believe that some of you here today are going to see a breakthrough this very week. Because you have learned I can ask God any time. I can ask Him to move the unmovable, to break the unbreakable. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run and the fountain that I drink from. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, give us the encouragement and the motivation. To come to you at any moment, in every moment, saying, Daddy, Daddy, Poppy, I need help. I need help. Daddy, show me what to do. Father, I know there are some men right now praying, God, show me what to do. There are some women praying, Father, show me what to do. You're going to reveal that answer. It's going to be a great day because we have prayed it in Jesus' name. Amen.